Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. I'm Eli. And we are delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. We are reunited across the virtual desk, guys. It's a beautiful day outside. Any any plans for the weekend other than this? This is a big plan. Uh, Josiah <laughs> is, uh, is coming soon. Um, so... Before we started recording today, I was doing a lot around the apartment, getting ready. Um, mm-hmm. Just behind the computer screen here, um, I set up the bassinet, uh, got a change table ready, folding some laundry. So doing a lot of that tonight, watching a movie with Chelsea's siblings virtually. Do yes. you know what movie you're watching yet? Uh, Meet the Robinsons. Ooh. Yes, but so I'll we'll be watching that while I have my computer off to the side watching um the washington football team um yeah the weekend you're right it is beautiful outside i uh, visited my mom we took care of her sick cat gilbert um oh. yeah he's okay but he's he's just really tiny he's very skinny um uh so after this i'm going to do my shepherd stories announcement i'm going to share my shepherding story <laughs> on our instagram so look out for that um, I think it might be in our highlights by the time that this episode comes airs, you know, comes out. Um, and I okay, so I actually just want to get like a free a free trial of Disney Plus so I can watch Soul because too many people have been talking about it, and I want to watch this movie. It's it's a good movie. It's worth watching. Okay, okay. It's worth watching. Good. Yeah, I watched it on Christmas. But I also got up at like 5 a.m. on Christmas. Mm. So I fell asleep. For like <laughs> as the you last, do. As Listeners, I do. <laughs> this is this is Jarrell's thing. He falls asleep during movies uh-huh. just like constantly. Unless he's cracking jokes. That's the only way to keep him up in the movie. <laughs> it's only gotten worse. <laughs> it used to happen like not that often, but I'm just tired all the time. Yeah. So if I'm not if I'm not really really interested in it, or if I've been up for a long time, or I'm too comfortable, I'm just gone. Charles is not forgiving me for falling asleep on the on the Magnificent Seven. No. Let's be clear the the original oh, classic yeah. Western Magnificent Seven, the the revision more modern take was fantastic as well. But it was it was falling asleep during the original, which is just. Uh, We've watched so many other movies, though. That we like, have. That's true. Like, you, you somewhat have redeemed yourself. We have watched a, a, a fair number of quality movies together. And some not so quality. And, not, and some not so quality. That's right. But we thoroughly enjoyed all of them. Um, yeah, we don't. Sandy and I are going to have dinner and hang out and possibly watch a movie. Um, so, yeah, not not much going on this weekend. So let's get things started with our question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during this segment, all you have to do is email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's the number three. Then guysatthewell, all one word and lowercase, at gmail.com. So this week's question is, a, is an interesting one. I'm interested to see your guys' responses. So what kind of reality TV show would you be on if you were cast to be on a reality TV show? Oh, definitely cutthroat kitchen. I mean, everyone's vaccinated. Ideal competition. 
set up. Everyone's safe. Or maybe we're cooking with masks. I don't care. Um, but yeah, definitely Cutthroat Kitchen. Is there, Why is that? Uh, I can't imagine myself on any other type of competition show. I feel I can I can keep my wits about me in cooking, but there's also such silliness going on during the show. Like there's all these uh, different pitfalls that can ruin your dish. Where like my dish wouldn't have to be so amazing; it would just need to be passable. Because I'm not a chef, but like. I can make a mean whatever. <laughs> and and I think I, I think I could win. I think I could win Cutthroat Kitchen. I'd watch that season. <laughs> nice. I'd love to see you on the on a reality TV show. <laughs> Cooking. Like, yeah. I think for me, I I think like a survivor type show. Um, I've actually only recently gotten into reality tv um it wasn't something i i watched really growing up so um only recently uh past couple of years have like i've been drawn into the the uh black hole <laughs> that is reality <laughs> tv um but i i think i would do i would like survivor if only for the reason that like on survivor um the main food that you have is rice that's what you get. And, and then you, you, you can scrounge some coconuts and maybe go fishing if you get gear. And, and, and people talk about how that's such a hardship and that would not be a hardship for me. I would enjoy it a lot. I'm sure I'd get bored of it, but I'd be like, awesome. Nice. Yum. Wait, during an earlier episode, or maybe this is a talk you gave, didn't you say like, Chicken and rice always needs to be <laughs> together on the menu. Like, would if 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 rice is not served with chicken? Oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, there, there's something wrong, <laughs> and it's a sin. And, and but that's coming from from being being Puerto, Puerto Rican, Rican and and like three days of the week, the meal was chicken and rice. And so, yeah, I think I've shared in the past how like I am, I I am abhorred. If someone serves chicken without rice, I'm where's the meal? I like what's going on? Um, that has happened, and I have been I, it's like dumbfounded. I have walked out of people's homes, <laughs> I've gone to my car, scooped out rice. Uh, it's, it's a moment of humility to remember. Oh, yeah, not everyone's Puerto Rican, this is not how everyone ate growing up. It's just it's just how I ate growing up. It's my preference. It's not how it needs to be, but it should. Right. There's a a mutual friend of ours who Charles and we lived in household. Uh, he's Filipino and like similarly is like used to that. I think once someone made did that, they made chicken, and he just, he's like the nicest guy. So he just kind of like okay. But he got he. I remember him getting up and just being like, I'm just gonna make some rice. <laughs> like this just needs to happen. <laughs> I think I think I was at that dinner and I and I was so appreciative. I know he was doing it for himself, but I felt so loved. <laughs> Charles, are you okay? You look you're crying. Oh, I'm fine. How was that? I'm better now. <laughs> the rice ready? <laughs> oh, man. So similar to you, Charles, I've only recently started watching. I don't really like reality TV generally. Like I just find it really uncomfortable. Like I can't watch Shark Tank 
because it's just people's hopes and dreams getting crapped on by these millionaires who are just it's okay and sometimes yes the plan is not well thought out but i'm like yo this is their livelihood like don't be so rude so i i, I can't do shark tank i've tried multiple times and it just makes me sad um but recently i have gotten way way too into the amazing race like my wife and i are like, yeah it's so good it really like is. we're just going back over old seasons so some of them are like from 15 years ago. And so halfway, once it's over, it's like, I wonder what they're up to. And like, we're like Googling the, the names of the teams. I've gotten so into it. Um, and so we'll watch it like, like so engrossed with everything that's happened. And like, we'll kind of, so I, I don't know if I do well on the amazing race, but I'm Sandy and I are always just kind of like, okay, there's a roadblock. Will we do this challenge or this challenge? I think this one. Yeah, I think that one too. So already kind of getting a strategy down. I couldn't do any food challenges because I don't eat very much. Um, but yeah, it's it would it would probably be the amazing. It is a delightful show. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll put in our audition tapes after this, guys. It'll be great. All right, so let's get into our actual show. <laughs> Continuing with the third episode in our season. Uh, season four, What the Parable, as we look into the parable of the Great Supper. So this week's passage is from Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. If you have your Bible and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. Who doesn't love a dinner party? Quite a few people, actually, according to Jesus. In the parable of the Great Supper, Jesus juxtaposes the enthusiasm with which he prepares a place for his people, with their reluctance to join him there. The table is set. Will you accept your invitation? He who has ears, let him hear. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is he who shall eat the eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. The master of the house being angry said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets in lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and there is still room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of these men who were invited shall taste my supper. Gentlemen, what can we learn from the parable of the Great Supper? I was reminded by of uh by by the the people who rejected the invitation i was reminded a lot of uh current culture it reminded me of our modern culture where people uh, there's a tendency to make excuses for everything um that there's a you know this tendency to lack of commitment um and this tendency towards individualism um because I think I was reading about this passage and there's a cultural background that was helpful for me to understand in that like a, a supper like this 
um, there was an there was two stages of invitations actually. There was a, a kind of like a save the date given, much like we do now. Um, there was a save the date given. Hey, like this feast is happening. Put it on your calendar. Get ready to celebrate. And then the day of the wedding, there was like we hear in the parable. There was like, hey, it's time to come. Everything's prepared. Get on your party dress. Come on down. Um, and the people were like got concerned with the the cares of the day um, or whatever was going on, as opposed to committing to this party that they got invited to. And we don't know what, you know, what is it, but it, it reminded me of our current culture and how we can often get distracted by the busyness and cares of the day um, of, of our world uh, and, 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 and kind of put aside the, obviously the supper, the, king, uh, the dinner is, is um, analogous to the kingdom of God um, and, 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 and participating and celebrating and sharing in, in that which has been won for us. Uh, but we can get so distracted like these people uh, by just the busyness of every day and the business of everyday life. Um, and so I think it's I think it's a warning to us not to miss the invitation. But I think also like not to it's not a one time invitation. Right. It's not something that like it's one party and it's over. There's a continual invitation to Christ to to invest in, to live out um, the, the kingdom of God here on earth, this side of heaven. But as Jarrell, you've put in every uh, setting the stage uh, and uh, in some of the parables that you says, we have to have ears to listen. We have to be aware of where, when Christ is inviting us and, and be cognizant enough to set aside uh, the concerns of the week, the things, and participate and accept that invitation and celebrate um, with the Lord. Yeah, Charles, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, this notion of like taking everyday things and making them idols. Like if you look at what people make excuses for, oh, I bought a field. I equate that today to like, oh, I bought a house. I'm more concerned with my home that I now have, or I'm more concerned with my my car or my other property that I now, now have, or I'm more concerned with this relationship or a marriage. Like God doesn't give us blessings so that they can become idols in the face of our relationship with him. Um, but I'm also like, there's a piece of joy in here. And it's when this master says, so that my house will be full. And it's so encouraging to know that God wants a full house um, and will call out to all people. Um, and this drives home the point that uh, being in being in need, because he, after these like official, like you said, save the date folks um, are called on, he then says, bring the other people, bring the people who are in pain, bring the people who are uh, poverty stricken, who are sick, who are afflicted. Um, this state of being in need puts us in a better position to take God up on his invitation to discipleship. Um, and ultimately salvation in heaven. Um, like a poverty, sickness, pain, and affliction have blessed the character and I think perspective of believers and disciples far more than wealth, health, and convenience have um, because discomfort uh, frees you from thinking that life on this side of eternity is better than what's to come. Um, 
And it's not like God is like throughout scripture, God's constantly telling us and assuring us like my promises are so much better than what you're actually experiencing. Um, And this reminded me actually of a close of a close friend that the three of us have in our men's group um, who struggles. And I this actually reading this parable actually kind of brought me to tears a little bit um, who struggles with intense chronic pain. his body feels like his enemy at some times. And, and yet Jesus is teaching, or at least what I think he's at one part of what he's alluding to in this teaching, I hope I'm not stretching it too far, at least has me convinced um, that when we have affliction, it is far more of a blessing than we think it is. Like affliction isn't always a curse because in Christ, pain has a purpose. Very well said. Very well said. Yeah. Um, I, I love that point of being in need puts us in a better position to like receive uh, what God has prepared for us. It's like that when Jesus, I think in one of the parables we'll cover in the season actually says like, it's easier for a wealthy man to go through the eye of a needle than to enter the kingdom of God as a way of drawing this parallel of feeling self-sufficient um, sometimes is, and not like in, well, sometimes in very like tangible ways, sometimes draws us away from the Lord because we're filled up with other things, with our fields, with our uh, cattle, with our relationships. And we kind of allow <clears throat> those things and the stability or the comfort or just the peace that they provide to take our eyes off the one who provides them for us. And so I love that idea of in our need uh, coming to the great supper. Um and yeah, I just, and I, my first thought was this was like, well, what is that for? Like, what are the things that for me, I'm like, oh no, I'd, I'd rather not. Um, and it, and as a theme that we've seen throughout the season, like it's different things at different times. And sometimes it is, oh, I'm really busy with work. And instead of praying, I'm just going to get a jump on the work I need to do. Or, oh, I'm just really extra- distracted with this like recreational activity. I'm going to do this. Or sometimes it's just like, God, I just feel too broken. I don't really know what to do. And I, so I'm just going to kind of wallow in that. Um, but we all have our, our reasons for um, avoiding, as it were, uh, the Great Supper. But I, the cool thing here, and you kind of touched on it, Eli, I love, we say all the time that, you know, Scripture is a way that we learn about the character of God. And, like, I love so much that what this reveals about the character of God and that he He doesn't he doesn't coerce the people to come to the banquet. I'm um, like, he doesn't say, um, if you don't come, like, it's going to make me really sad or I'm going to like steal your cattle or something like that or anything. Like that. It's just, he puts out the invitation um, and people can make their own choices after that. But what is drawing them to it is just the supper itself. And I'd imagine like they call it the great supper. I'd imagine it's like, prepared in a way that's like, you don't want to miss this. And that speaks so much to who God is, uh, that he woos us to him um, by his goodness, like that we would know, like Jesus has life in abundance. And like, that's the character of God. Like he's going to show us how lacking and unsatisfying the things that we put in place of him are because of how good he is. And this idea that like come to the supper because why would you want to be anywhere else? Like Jesus is winning and attractive and um, like 
he even says like to the servant, compel them to come, like compel them to come to this. And I, I know there's, there's like one of the parables, I don't think of it in this, but the parable of like the sheep or the lost coin talks about Jesus as someone who pursues. And in a different way, I see that here where he's kind of making it clear, like this is where you want to be. And I will make this so enticing. I'll make myself so enticing and so satisfying and so fulfilling that you won't want to be anywhere else. And I'm like, I, I want that for me because I'm still very often in a place of like, looks good, Jesus, but insert um, excuse here. And I kind of want to love the Lord in a way where it's like, I don't want to miss the great supper even for a second, even for this one seemingly insignificant prayer time or worship time. Like I want to have faith of who God is where I'm like, I don't want to miss that. Aren't we all those people, that person sometimes, um, and just like this, uh, the Bible uh, displays the character of God. I think this parable actually sh- displays the character of, of those who rejected the invitation, which can sometimes be us, as, as we've been saying. Um, I think it, it, it conveys the, the character of the relationship that they have with the person inviting. You know, we don't know that context, the background, but if we are extrapolating out to us, um, the person who is inviting us to the great feast, into the kingdom of heaven, eternal life, is, is God himself. And he offers us one of the greatest gifts, in, uh, in which is a relationship with him. And I think what this story uh, conveys is that these people um, did not have a strong relationship with this person, where he says, come celebrate with me. I'm throwing a party and they say, ah, I got some better things to do. There, there's something there, I think, that conveys there's there's like a, a lack of relationship necessarily. I personally am never really going to like off the cuff day of decide not to show up to like a party or a wedding or something like that. Like I, I want to go celebrate with my friends. Um and, and so I think it conveys something. And and like you were saying, Jarrell, sometimes that's me. Like, ah, Lord, I don't want to pray. I don't want to worship. I don't want to love my neighbor. I don't want to participate in the kingdom because I've got this thing going on. Um, and I think it, to me, it highlighted the point, the importance of strengthening and developing my relationship with him through personal prayer. Because it's hard to reject the invitation of someone you actually have a relationship with, a strong relationship with. And so it's, I think it's easy for us as Christians to reject um, the invitations the Lord has for us in our lives when we don't have a relationship with him. And I think it's easy for us to, uh, to, to not work on that or to say like, oh, I'll do my prayer later. I'll, I'll read my scripture later. It's not a priority. And actually, I think it's, it's a bridge into myself here. Like it's one of the, the single most important things that I do because why wouldn't I want to have a relationship with the king of the universe who, who died for my sins, who's inviting me into something that I cannot obtain for myself, which is greater than a great feast. And, and so I think this, this conveys something about the importance of developing that relationship so that it's hard to miss the invitation and it's hard, that Christ puts and God puts in front of our lives and it's hard to reject them as well. Praise God, Cook Charles. Yeah, I, I love that you brought that up. You killed it. Um, I think 
in, in you actually speaking about relationships, it reminded me of there's more than one kind of relationship going on here. So you have the you have this master who's telling a servant to go out and draw these people into him. And um, but there's also this relationship between the master and the servant. And I think this is also a very helpful um, note to touch on is oftentimes I think as either missionaries or Christians or disciples who are on mission, um, we want to send out this invitation. We want to be the people through whom God conveys this invitation to other people to say, come, you are welcome here. Um, but we oftentimes might get discouraged if like our first few times <laughs> don't like end in like, no, no, thanks. I'm busy, which like, I think in all, in varying degrees, all of us have experienced with, stu- with working with students on in <laughs> campus ministry because <laughs> kids are busy, busy. Um, I'm using air quotes, but like, um, there's this notion of like, keep returning to the father keep asking him, okay, Lord, I, I, I've experienced this rejection. What do I do next? God's going to say, keep sending out the invitation, keep going out and keep, uh, like going after people. Maybe you reassess who you go after. So Lord might say these students now, the Lord might say these people now, this circle now, like your job as a servant, regardless of what the reaction is, never, like it, it's, it doesn't stop. You don't stop being your servant just because your, your time uh, one task didn't work out because of another person's actions. You you still go back to the Lord, and you and you still do your your due diligence because you love the Master. You're inviting people into a relationship that you have with God, or not necessarily your relationship, but their own relationship with God. But you're all at this banquet feast, heaven together. I like. That. I don't think I've ever thought of the relationship between the servant and the Master in that way. So thank you for sharing that. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a new revelation. Yeah, that's huge. And I think like in kind of the going out into like the hedges and the highways, uh, there's parallels here to like the kind of ministry that Jesus was doing and that he arrived uh, as someone who was like foretold by scripture, uh, but wasn't received by his people, but was received by, as we've talked about at length in other episodes and other seasons by people who would not have known uh, the word of God, the way that like the Pharisees did, or like the people who rejected him did by people who would be considered sinners. And so there's something in there that I was reminded of. Um, I think it was in our first season, candid conversations, this idea of don't miss Jesus um, because he's going to prepare a place. He's going to uh, make the invitation. And sometimes like the first people you would kind of expect to receive it, don't receive it. And so there's this kind of call to, vigilance in our lives to not assume that we have a strong relationship with the Lord just because, you know, I I grew up in church or I uh, have a church that I'm okay with now, or like I'm a pastor's kid or anything like that to not take that for granted. Cause we see this as a really clear parallel of like the very people who should have received Jesus with open arms because they knew the scriptures really well, didn't. Um, and so like the people that are go to at the end of this parable, like the maim, the maimed, the lame and the blind and the poor, those are the people Jesus reached when who would have been Christians of the day did not uh, receive him. And so there's, again, that word humility continues to come up in these parables of not assuming ourselves to be right with God or in a place where it's like, well, of course I went to the banquet or like, I would totally receive this invitation with joy. And it's like, you might not. And it's okay to acknowledge that. But then 
lean into the Lord as to why that isn't like not to make the assumption that like, yeah, I'd, I'd be fine. This isn't me. I'm someone who would be, get the invitation and drop everything. Um, there's a vigilance and a humility. I think we need to have in examining our relationship with the Lord that doesn't allow us to uh, posture in what we think is a strong relationship when maybe there's work to be done. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content. We'll talk to you next week here at the Well.